In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Approximately two years ago, a small group from our parish participated in what we called neighborhood prayer walks. It was a fantastic experience, but one that is quite counter to the pace of our society today. Participants were invited to come, some on weekday afternoons, some on Saturday mornings, and to simply walk in silence around the neighborhood, to walk in prayer around our neighborhood. We walked in all directions. We walked all the way up to campus. We walked up the hill. We walked toward the tracks and toward the regional jail. We walked to the historic district with its grand old houses. And we walked down to the square with its vibrant business life. We walked in all four directions of our uniquely positioned parish. What we learned from these prayer walks is that our community not Bowling Green in a larger sense, but literally our neighbors who live within a walking distance very drastically. Each person who participated in the walk took away different things from their time praying the neighborhood. But the one thing that stood out to me even two years later is how difficult it truly is to love our neighbor. And I'll be honest, I kind of think it's difficult to love anyone to whom you are not close, and especially right now, as I'm running on very thin margins, as is the rest of the world. But in these walks, I realized that it was so hard to love our neighbors as Christchurch because our neighbors are not one thing. In a one-mile radius of this parish, you'll find just about every financial status from those experiencing homelessness to those who have to never worry about what comes next. In this same one-mile radius, you'll pass an obscene amount of litter from the previous night's college party, while also encountering those who are just getting their small business on its feet. I don't know that it's ever really easy to love our neighbor, but when our neighbor looks so like so many different things, it makes it even harder. This, I kind of wonder, is where we can find some points of connection to the 12 tribes in the diaspora to which our epistle writer James is writing. We heard in the second lesson this admonition from James, this admonition that we should not be the ones to judge, and that in these communities there was overt and intentional favoritism of the wealthy, and not only that, there was also overt and intentional subjugation of the poor. You do well, James says, if you really fulfill the royal law according to scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. For, this, James, for James, this is the ultimate litmus test of a vibrant faith. That when push comes to shove or when rich and poor gather together, you cannot tell a difference in how they are treated by the people of God. James minces no words when he articulates what is perhaps the most quoted line from the short book of the Bible. Faith without works is dead. It's an intense line, but for James, there is no life of faith 
if our thoughts and prayers are not followed by actions and deeds. We cannot claim to follow the crucified and resurrected, resurrected Messiah without being changed or without being moved to make change. Because the truth is that that matters very little, what we do on Sunday morning, if it does not impact how we act on Monday. My friends, God is calling us to a vibrant faith. And James reminds us that we cannot get there until our actions align with our prayers. I've had many conversations, often with a college student or a young family, who ask if they will be welcome in our church. They ask from a practical standpoint, there are, but there are layers of fear, layers of fear of being unwelcome. Unwelcome because of how they dress or who they are, or because of how loud toddlers can be. And I always assure them that they will be welcome here because I know the people of Christ Church. And I know that this is a community that truly does try to seek and serve Christ in all persons. But I also want us to pay attention to who is not here. I want us to pay attention to who is not here, not just not physically present because of COVID reasons or realities, but who is not part of our congregation? Which of our neighbors, our actual neighbors, would walk in and struggle to find the welcome that we want to give? Our parish is blessed with a diverse neighborhood, but this blessing is challenging. It's challenging. It's a challenge ripe with opportunities for us to live out the practical implications of loving our neighbor as ourself. It provides us space to ask, what is the good news for the formerly imprisoned person just released from Warren County Regional Jail? What is the good news for the overwhelmed and homesick college student who's making some bad life choices? What is the good news for those who are homes are part of Bowling Green's history, history, which is complex and diverse? What is the good news for our neighborhood? And how can we live into God's call upon our common life to live a vibrant faith? One that is both active in prayer and action. When St. James says that faith without works is dead, he is not slamming the coffin shut on a faith that no longer has any life. Rather, he's giving a warning sign that without works, without action, our faith will die. It's a warning that being active in both prayer and action, <clears throat> that without being active in both prayer and action, our faith will be unresponsive to life-giving opportunities, as one Greek dictionary put it. Unresponsive to life-giving opportunities.
I wish very deeply, I wish very deeply that I could simply articulate for you what some of these life-giving opportunities are. I would love nothing more than to be able to say, your faith can be active on Sunday, just make sure you do this on Monday. But that's not really how this works. And it's just not that simple. I think that we are in a time of collective discernment and listening. I see it in my own life. I see it in some of yours. I see it in our common life. I don't know what works we need to do to have a vibrant faith right now. But perhaps part of the call of this season of life, this particularly challenging season of life, is to listen and to pay attention to life-giving opportunities. We may not have the capacity to solve the world's problems or even the problems just in Bowling Green, but the first step to having a vibrant faith to being responsive to life-giving opportunities is to notice them. As St. James says, we would do well to love our neighbor as ourselves. And our neighborhood is diverse and full of opportunities, full of life-giving opportunities. One of my prayers for us as a, as a community is that we will continue to be responsive to those life-giving opportunities. My prayer is that we will be able to hear where God might be leading us and to discern what is our right next step. My prayer is that we will treat all our neighbors with the same love and respect as we hold for those sitting in the pews next to us. That we will answer God's call to a vibrant faith. And that we will be moved to act as deeply and as quickly as we are willing to pray. Amen.